All in preparation for the challenges that lie ahead. This is a show that feeds the mind with inspiration and truth on the issues of the day. If it's important to your life, you'll find it here. Hosted by Malcolm Out Loud. Well, the fallout from Brexit continues. The world economy has been shaken, just like a bad James Bond film, if you will. And how serious are the implications for all of us? We'll find out with our next guest, Harry S. Dent Jr. Harry is a friend of the show and known Harry for quite a few years. He's an author, economist. I call him a truth-sayer. Harry Dent's the author of The Demographic Cliff, How to Survive and Prosper During the Great Deflation Ahead. And he's editor of the free newsletter, Economy and Markets. And you can get this yourself by going to harrydent.com. We'll also talk to you a little bit about getting a copy of his book. And a way you can do that, get a free copy. We'll talk to you about that in a moment as well. Harry, it's been a little bit. How you doing? Good, good. Just moved to Puerto Rico and got back from a two-week uh, tour of Australia. So other than being a little jet-lagged, I, I actually love it down here in Puerto Rico. Awesome, awesome. i got to come down to visit you. I was just saying to you as we were warming up. But uh, thanks for uh, then with all of this jet lag and everything coming on for our listeners. And um, the, uh, the United Kingdom makes history and they pull out of the European Union. I want to start here, Harry. Considering all the factors, when I say all the factors now, I'm talking about the economy, talking about immigration, talking about leadership, security and safety. What do you think the number one reason is? that the uh, citizens in the UK made this decision? I, I think it was definitely the migration tip the balance. I mean, there's, you know, these millions of people coming in from Syria. No, you know, they, they mostly came into Greece and Turkey, but Germany started taking a lot of them. And then uh, Angela Merkel got flack about that. And, you know, no, you know, this, this is a, this is a difficult thing, uh, not only because they're a huge expense, uh, even though they might be a long-term um, positive if they stayed in the country and got jobs and learned the language. But, you know, and thinking about Germany, how many are, are, are going to learn German? And I think more and more countries are there. People don't want to be forced. They don't want Brussels to tell them we have to take so many. So weeks ago, I would have said, you know, the polls were showing us close, but it was going to it's going to tip more towards remaining, but but we were definitely seeing the signs just a few days before. And, and, and a really savvy businessman in Australia I was working with said, no, no, they're going to go the other way. And only in the last minute did they. And I think the migration thing tipped it. And also the other big complaint is that just the regulations of doing business in the EU, you know, a lot of uh, businesses in England and, and countries complain about that, I think. But, you know, that's the other thing. Um, so, you know, th this uh, I do think this is kind of the beginning of the end. The, the euro and the eurozone has tried to hold together. It's had trouble with demographic trends, which we've been predicting for a long time and excessive debt, which everybody has these days. But, but the, you know, they, it's always been hard to make this union work. We, we've been together in the United States in a fiscal and monetary union, which they don't really have full both, for right. a long time. And then the Civil War was a big test of it, and we got through that. But, you know, the, these nations have always been separate, and they don't like giving up their sovereignty. So I think they just like, look, we just – we know there's advantages of being one union, certainly advantages of being one currency – 
but they're not willing to give up that sovereignty and their and and their borders at this point. Now that you got migrants everywhere, and it's obviously the easiest way to get new terrorists. It it is it totally is, and you know I'm so pleased that you you said what you said because you obviously as an economist I thought you were going to go pivot to the economy immediately, and I get all of that. But the uh, immigration and the migration of what's happened, uh, you know, Harry, I, I believe just as a side note here. I believe that, uh, in my opinion, and I've said this for quite a while now, Angela Merkel will go down as one of the worst politicians of the world ever, and I mean ever. Uh, what she has done to Germany and Europe as a whole uh, with this uh, fantasy she's had, uh, it, there will be a price to pay for all of this. Well, actually, that price is already starting. So, so let's follow up this with this next question. In your opinion, was this a good move for the United Kingdom to cut ties with the EU at this time? Well, you know, I, th- there still are some real costs to this. Um, um, it would have been better if this could have worked out. But to me, I, I would say more like it was inevitable that this was, was going to happen. And, and, and the reason the markets are reacting so much, I mean, it's just the same thing when Greece started defaulting on their loans. It wasn't so much Greece everybody was worried about. It was Portugal, Spain, Italy, and other people following. And, you know, it, this is not an uncommon issue. I mean, the Scots are thinking of splitting off from the UK. The Catalonians are thinking of splitting off from Spain. Well, that's what uh, I was just going to ask you next. Is, uh, they're not happy with the EU either. Right. Yeah. What countries are going to follow suit with this? Because France is talking about it as well. So yeah. there's a host of countries now, aren't there? Yes. Yes. Polls show that 40 percent or more of people, um, you know, really are, are, are more against the eurozone and the euro than they are for it and so it doesn't take too many to get to 50 because hey hey just weeks or months ago that's what they would have said in in england they would have said yeah 40 some percent well the vote came in at 52 mm-hmm. so harry you think then you really think as well that this this whole deal now is the beginning of the end for the european union that they really don't have a future right yeah, I don't see how they can hold it together in, in difficult economic times. It, it was hard enough for them to do it when things were positive. But, it, but as we all know, since 2008, and, then, and we had the great financial crisis around the world, and by the way, that was triggered by four states in the United States having a subprime crisis. But we were warning about that, as you know, for years, because demographics are slowing in almost all wealthy countries australia which i was just at is one of the very few exceptions and more important the greatest debt bubble in history and then on top of that unfunded promises for you know uh, social security and, and medicare and medicaid that are that are the numbers are so off the charts uh i don't i don't understand how any economist can can still be doing what they're doing. A 10-year-old could figure out that this just doesn't make sense, especially with a smaller generation in most countries following a larger one. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You just can't have a smaller generation fund the retirement of a large generation, especially now that we're living longer. Retirement for people now, the typical person, they retire at 63 and die at 85. That's 22 years on the dole. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, people are living longer. I report yeah, on it all the time. Man. Yeah. yeah. Hey, listen, um, do you think, though, as a whole, back to the, the European Union, was this is this kind of sort of a bad experiment to begin with? And let me explain why I asked this question. You know, the United States, listen, I remember when this happened several decades ago now, that 
you know, there seemed to me there was a lot of animosity, and I, I don't know, I kind of seen there was a lot of jealousy on Europe, uh, because, you know, part of this experiment was to kind of thread, sow their economies and some of that together. But but you got to remember, history is not, you know, they, they were saying the United States of Europe uh, versus the United States of America. History you know, in Europe goes back, oh God, thousands of years. I mean, these are historical environments out there as compared to America. Could it have ever really worked with all that history, Harry, or was it a bad experiment to begin with? Well, yeah, we, we are not only a newer country, but we were an immigrant country from the beginning. We are a melting pot. And what, what, what history shows, and in Australia is the same way. I go to Australia and New Zealand and speak a lot over there. And they do very well, and of course they're also lucky. All their, all their immigrants are Asian, and nobody ever ca- ca- complains about Asian immigrants. But but yeah, these cultures have been around forever, and they do not assimilate immigrants in different cultures. Well, I mean that that just has been proven, and and that and that's why they they have far more terrorist attacks and problems over there because because the the radical Muslims and people over there feel even less incorporated. I, I remember seeing on CNN, a guy doing an interview and just coming straight out, a cleric in, in London saying, we're going to take you over. We may only be 10% of the population today, but we're growing faster. We're more cohesive and we don't like you. We're going to take over this country. You know, that's pretty bad. Well, this is the biggest problem I report on, actually, is this uh, fundamental, this uh, radical Islamist uh, attitude, if you will. It is an attitude, and it permeates all of the things we're talking about, every society. I speak about it all the time with experts out of Europe and folks on the show here. We're speaking with Harry S. Dent, Jr., always a, a good conversation. What I want to do is take a pause a moment here, folks, for a station break here. I want to ask him about how this is going to impact Americans here. How long does it go on? I also want to give you the information on how to get his most recent book, The Demographic Cliff, that you can get through his site, which I'm going to tell you about in a moment, for a great deal. So stay right there. Be right back with you. Hey, we are back, folks. It's Malcolm Out Loud here and back with Harry S. Dent, Jr. Again, author, economist, a truth-sayer, and Harry Dent is author of The Demographic Cliff. And I'm going to tell you now how you can get the book. I was just asking him in the break to make absolutely sure that I wasn't speaking out of turn because his, his team this morning had sent me this thing, which I did kind of a double take on. In fact, I didn't even read it right at first. I thought it was some sort of a newsletter that they'd get for this. But they're actually offering their book, The Demographic Cliff, free of charge, uh, you go to harrydent.com, harrydent.com. You'll pay just $4.95 for shipping and handling, and you'll get the book at no cost of Demographic Cliff. And again, his newsletter that he is an editor for, Economy and Markets, you can also get by going to harrydent.com. So we're speaking here about the impact now that Brexit is going to have, the implications of this. For anybody who thought this was just a blip on the radar screen and that it would go away quickly, and it didn't matter. Some people bury their head in the sand thinking that, well, this is across the big sea, so we don't have to really worry too much. I got news for you. <laughs> you're seeing the volatility in the markets this past week, and you're going to continue to see this probably ahead, I think. But let's ask Harry right now, since he's going to be a better forecaster than I on this, um, how, Harry, is this going to impact Americans here at home, and how long and how, how bad is it going to be? Well, well again, 
you always have to start from the point of view that we start at. Fundamentally, the world is slowing, especially the wealthiest countries. Japan was the first, then North America, and Europe shortly after that, and South Korea is like the last one to go. The world's already slowing. The world already has debt ratios like four times GDP in, in, in a lot of wealthy countries, and, and China is off the reservation. Uh, they, they don't print money. They print condos. And, and, and it's unbelievable what they're doing. They're going to create another $4 trillion in government-sponsored bank debt just to build empty condos for nobody. And guess what? In 2015, all those rural migrants are moving to urban areas. They, Seven million of them started going back. It, they're starting to have negative immigration into cities. And they're still and they got 27 percent vacant condo. It's just the world's crazy right now. And everybody's, you know, looking at, well, but we're growing two percent or Europe's growing one percent. Well, that's in a good year. Japan has grown zero percent for 26 years now. Uh, on average, zero inflation, zero GDP growth adjusted for inflation, and zero productivity. This is because demographic slowing meets high debt. Now, on top of that, governments decide, well, when all this slowing hits, we're not going to adapt to it. We're not going to increase the retirement age so we can afford the benefits and stuff. We're not going to restructure debt. We're just going to keep printing money and then make everything seem okay and keep the banks from going under. But, with, but when the banks are, are comfortable, everybody said, that's good. No, otherwise they'd be writing down a lot of loans to small businesses and people with mortgages that were underwater. They would have had to write down those loans in normal time. So this, this to me is just a big mess. And, and all we need is a trigger. Last time, whole world went down. Stock collapses around the world, anywhere from 54% in Australia to 56% in the U.S., 70% in China, and on and on and on, because four states had a subprime crisis in the United States. It was just a trigger. Of course, that didn't cause a worldwide collapse. Of course, this Brexit is not going to, on its own, cause a worldwide collapse. But if a couple other countries start pulling out, and I can tell you, within a year, and I, I think I'm, I'm betting by the end of this year, Italy's going to be the next Greece, and Portugal's got problems, and, and Cyprus, obviously, and, and other southern European countries, but Italy is too big to fail. Italy now has 18, their, their banks have 18% of their loans are not being paid, and you are technically bankrupt at 10%, because that's all the capital most banks have, and or the deposits they pledge, and it's stupid to pledge deposits, because there are our deposits, and of course, they ended up not being people's deposits in Cyprus, when they just took them to pay off whatever uh, wasn't covered by shareholders and bondholders. So there are many, many things that can go now, on. Now, Harry, when these are happening that you're describing out in Europe, and we're speaking of the Italy and Spain, France, things that we, you and I have been talking about for a while, but let's talk about this. And You say, when these other countries have fallen, uh, and again, the predictions are that some of these countries are definitely going to pull out of the European Union, uh, now, this is going to definitely be a major impact back here in America. It's one thing, as you say, what what you know the world economy can withstand, and the United and the economy here in America can withstand some things. Yeah. But right now, as you see it right now, early on here, I want to talk specifically about this. Now that Brexit has happened, the UK is going. All these things now will happen in the weeks ahead. So what I want to know right now is, uh, right now we've seen the volatility of the stock market this past week or two uh, from this fallout. 
how how long does this go on, Harry, before we start to catch up with our hiccups here at home? Well, you know, yeah, it, it is the hardest thing to predict is markets in the short term. But we've been saying this crisis is coming for years, and it just keeps coming and it keeps coming back because nothing's been fixed about it. I've got a real kind of key turning point uh, in mid-July from from a, a cycle guy I use. It's really good. And, and no short-term cycles are perfect, but he's as good as it gets. And he said, hey, we got a, a big turning point coming in mid-July. So it's a big deal to me if the markets kind of go down, you know, this week and then kind of bounce back up into mid-July, I'll say, okay, what, we're topping. If they turn around and crash, and, and if they break 1,800 to 1,820 on the S&P 500, that's my line in the sand from many, many support levels since uh, 2014. And, and by the way, the stock markets have gone nowhere since most of 2014. Um, then, then, you know, we're in, in real trouble. I, what, I, what I do know is my four, four best long-term indicators, which includes a geopolitical indicator – that explains all this terrorism and civil wars and failed wars and all this sort of stuff that's going on. All four of these indicators rarely point down together, but they point down from mid-2014 into early 2020. So I am far more confident that we are going to have a major financial crisis in the next, say, three and a half, four years. It is going to hit, and I think this is, I think we are going to look back and say, oh, this was the beginning of the end. Uh, with the Brexit, All but right. there's going to so, be many more things to follow. And China, when China falls and their real estate crashes, it's going to be right. The- yeah, China's another point of uh, reference here for sure. Let's stay on the Brexit a moment with the UK, Harry. Uh, with with the Brexit with the with the United Kingdom folks, talk about them specifically for a moment. I hear what you're saying within America and what you've just uh, stated here, but let's looking at the UK. I mean, do you think? that the folks in the UK, the citizens of the UK, do you have, do you think they had any idea what they were going to really have to go through? In other words, in order to pull the lever, to make the decision they made to pull out of the European Union, I, I question whether they even realized the reality of what they were doing based on how they were going to have to tighten their belts up. And how bad will it be in the UK, Harry? Both of those questions, I, I wonder what you would say. Well, well, again, there's no question there's consequences. And the politicians, some of them tried to warn Cameron and all, but they didn't really explain. You have to restructure all these business arrangements. While that's happening, trade slows down. There's extra expenses to that. Some jobs will be lost. And, and Morgan Stanley's already predicting, and Goldman Sachs, I think both are predicting a recession by early next year in the UK, which, you know, was was just one of the better houses, the bad neighborhood. They're they're barely grow, growing anyway like everybody else. So this does it does cause disruption, but but a lot of what it caused is just like when I said that subprime crisis in the US, once some loans started going bad, some mortgage loans start going bad, then the then the bond market starts to look at everything and all junk bonds and all questionable loans and raising the interest rates on them and worrying them and, and that's how you just get this buildup. I mean you're going to see interest rates in Southern Europe and ultimately in Germany because they're on the hook for everything over there. And Germany has the worst demographics in the world right now. You're going to see interest rates spike over there again. That just kills the economy. Anybody that's not triple, triple A has to pay a lot more money to borrow or refinance their loan. And so one thing just leads to another. That's why 
you can't have a worldwide crisis over some small couple of triggers like a Brexit or, or a subprime crisis in, in the four states in the United States. But they can start the ball rolling that will reveal what's really there, which is a lot of crap. I mean, right. I've never seen a worse time, more imbalanced economy than the one day and, and so global. So a lot of factors play into this, Harry, and obviously yeah. uh, immigration, migration, uh, security, uh, economic That's markets go down. Uh, people don't realize we had the biggest immigration surge in the United States from the late 1800s into World War One. It started to tail off in the Roaring Twenties because World War One put a damper on it, and then the Great Depression. It went to zero. It, uh, that was our biggest growth was immigration from Europe. It went to zero for almost all the 30s. So, so all of these things matter. Uh, people stop having babies when, when they see stuff like this and the economy looks questionable. Births bottomed in 1933, one year after the stock market bottomed. Then the next time they bottomed was in 1974, one year after, you know, the stock market bottomed again, you know, hit crashed again. So there's a lot of impact. The rippling it. effect. Yeah, we it's call the it the rippling effect. And there's definitely going to be a ripple effect from all of this. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, Harry S. Dent Jr. HarryDent.com is where I want to send you folks. The Demographic Cliff. You'll pay the shipping and handling. four ninety five. you get the book. And the newsletter, Economy and Markets. Check that out. Also, by the way, and I want to tease you all now to tell you, in a couple of days, I'm inviting Harry back. And I'm going to call this the Crystal Ball interview. And I've got some things I specifically want to ask him in regards to the election here in America, what's happening, where we're going ahead, and some very, very interesting conversation we're going to have with Harry ahead. The question is, are we better off? You know, it's like, uh, well, it's like that old Robert Frost poem. You get to the fork in the road and you got to choose which road. And we're sort of at that point here now. There is a fork in the road and we're going to have to make some hard decisions here as the country goes. No question about it here. But again, the fallout from Brexit is a big one. And uh, I, I think the world economy is feeling that. We're going to continue to feel it. As Harry says, there's a lot of volatility happening. We continue to bring that to you here. Uh, Please check out harrydent.com. You'll find a whole lot there. Always appreciate Harry's truth. Again, I call him the truth savior.